What is up, friends and family? It's time for another episode of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storman in Brooklyn, New York. Joining me via the miracles of modern technology, it's my good buddy, Will Freeland. Will, how's it going, man? Going pretty well. Going pretty well. I'm. Uh, this was the first week that I actually took some lunches uh, oh. during my regular work week. And so I, I've been reading a good amount, some Excellent. good, some bad, but it's been a pretty good week. <laughs> Isn't that always how it goes? Yeah. Nice. Well, I am uh, right after we get off this recording, I am on my way to go get my second vaccine shot. So little by little, yeah, the world is kind of like looking like a place again, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yesterday I went with a good buddy of mine from college to the Brooklyn Botanic Gardens. It's cherry blossom season right now. And there's a big giant uh, cherry tree grove. And they were just all in bloom. And it was really spectacular. It was a really nice day. And also just like seeing people in person, man. It's crazy. Isn't it weird? (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot to to get used to again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm looking forward to the challenge. All right, man. Well, shall we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Tell me what you read. What's good? I can. What's in between? Oh, man. Okay. So... I've got uh, Venom Volume 4, Venom Island. Okay. Um, and this is, is this the first title that you've had multiple trades that you've pod- podcasted about? You've already done a Venom trade here, right? Oh, yeah. I did the Venom trade for Absolute Carnage. Yeah. Um, because I read Absolute Carnage before we started doing this. Right. Uh, and then I found out that the side story for Venom was not in my poll previously. And so I had to go and fill that gap. Okay. So, yeah. So I did do uh, volume three, Absolute Carnage, Venom uh, side stories pretty recently. And that, because okay. that was the one that was, that was the week that I had a bunch of spider titles and I got super stoked <laughs> right, on, yeah. on the future of Venom. And so it- And if I remember correctly, the the last Venom trade was a lot about the, the God of the Symbiotes, Knoll. Yeah, so well, that's more because of Absolute Carnage, because the oh, end of Absolute sure. Carnage ends with Null is freed from Clintar and mm-hmm. he is heading to Earth. Right. Okay. That's okay. how the crossover ended. <laughs> and okay. so that's that's how the Venom trade ended as well. Okay. So this volume four, Absolute Carnage ended with Eddie taking on the Carnage symbiote. Oh, okay. um, and so there is this like clash of control between the Venom symbiote and the Carnage symbiote within mm-hmm. Eddie. And so he goes to this remote island that he'd used previously, like basically right after he got the Venom symbiote, he went to this island to be by himself. And the only thing that brought him off of the island was the absolute Carnage <laughs> crossover or event in Spider-Man back in the 90s. Sure, of course. Um, and so he goes back to the island to figure himself out. Yondu, my two Yondus. Um, yeah. It's a one shot. Thank goodness. So, oh, no. Um, well, okay. So anyone who's anyone knows that no. uh, the comic Yondu yeah. is very different from the MCU Yondu. Yeah. They both have their Yaka arrow, but the comic Yondu is a member of Guardians 3000. He has an actual fin on his head, not right. like the like cybernetic implant that MCU Yondu has. Yeah. 
and he's like a tribesman he's very connected to like tradition and all this other stuff and so that was the biggest change one of the biggest changes from comics to mcu and uh because mcu is so popular they've redesigned most characters right uh, in the comics to look more like their mcu counterparts yeah and so i thought that's what they were going to do with this and i was kind of upset <laughs> but it actually has yondu from guardians 3000 in here okay. uh, and the idea behind guardians 3000 is it's set in the year 3000 sure um, yeah just like 2099 right a hundred years in the future back in 1999 and so uh, all futures are also alternate realities because that's how it works yep yeah. uh so guardians 3000 yondu travels back in time to 2000s yondu which is this yondu yeah uh and they have uh, a team up and we'll talk about that in a second uh oh, cool. less avengers volume six Starbrand reborn not amazing some of my gripes have to deal with writers doing the whole hey i need this character in my title so i'm gonna right. use them but i'm gonna write them j- how i need them to be not necessarily how they are mm-hmm. um and so because like you have like a a snippy and snarky black widow um, okay yeah and she like makes little side comments and then she like has this internal monologue of like oh my gosh there's something really special about this guy and like yeah, it just does it's not yeah Russian spy returned from the dead kind of a thing so <laughs> yeah so it, it's it's a little meh it jumps a lot of corners jumps a lot of hoops just to get to where they wanted to be at the end and then the last one that i read is iron man the ultron agenda okay. um which collects tony stark iron man 15 through 19 which ends so this is the end of this era and the next Iron Man title is Iron Man 2020, which is Arno Stark as Iron Man. Oh, okay. Um, Arno, and... I, I, has he, I remember him uh, popping up uh, when he was introduced. Has he been a regular in publication since then? He's, he's been, yeah, he's been shadow, like something bad has happened or something like he, he's tended to be tangentially involved in the cause of the plot that tony is in for the last couple of years yeah basically for anyone who doesn't know which is probably everyone <laughs> arno, <laughs> arno stark okay so a few years ago we find out that tony stark is not the biological child of howard and maria stark right Arno is the biological child of of Howard and Maria. See what happened was Howard and Maria. She when Maria is pregnant with Arno, they know that Arno might not survive, and mm-hmm. so there's this space robot knows way too much, fifteenth level intelligence kind of a guy <laughs> shows up and proposes to Howard and Maria. They're like, "Hey," he says, "I can save your child." I can save Arno mm-hmm. if you replace Arno with this other child, Anthony, yeah. and you let me experiment on him. <laughs> and basically, I want to see how much intelligence I can bestow upon a newborn child. Yeah. And so that's how you get a tone, a hyper intelligent futurist Tony. Right. Uh, because he was biologically modified as, a, as an infant. Which is kind of... Uh, a shame for Tony's character because of the whole, like, you know, self-made man. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I agree. So, I don't know if it's better or worse than Ultimate Tony. Uh, or, or better. I mean, nothing's worse than that. <laughs> Your whole body is made out of brain cell- cells. Yeah, that's just right? dumb. That's just stupid. That's so weird. <laughs> that's, that's, that's just, that's not, that's not. A, I mean, it, it just, <laughs> it just, it just, it's, it's one of those. It, it goes into this thought experiment of if we had more brain matter, could we be more intelligent? Right. It it which is a, a cousin of the what if you used a hundred percent of your brain right. instead exactly. of and it's like right. Come so on, we're, we're not gonna go off. down that we're not gonna go down the path of using a higher percentage of our brain. Right. We're gonna keep the same percentage, but we'll just have more brain. <laughs> 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 so that was just interesting. But anyway, so we find out through that backstory that Tony's biological mother and father, father was a shield agent. And mother was a rock star. Mm, okay. Um, that fits. Yeah, right? <laughs> kind of. So um, so anyway, that so we get introduced to Arno and he's trapped in an iron lung um, mm-hmm. pretty much his entire life. And Arno has been watching Tony from, from the shadows, uh, keeping an eye on him. And turns out Arno is arguably more intelligent than Tony. Mm-hmm. At least that's what he says. And Arno has not, he didn't create a new body, but through genetic manipulation, he was able to basically restore his body or yeah. um, fix yada, his body. Yada, so yada, he's, he's okay. Yeah, he yeah. comicked his body and now he's walking around. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, perfect, perfect way to put it. So yeah, Ultron Agenda is, uh, takes, is going to take that we did about half of the backstory needed to understand what's going on in Ultron agenda. Um, (laughs) But that is the biggest, that is one of the biggest takeaway and the most interesting stuff. And so I'm going to just blast through these other three real quick. Let's do it. So Venom Island. uh, It was interesting. The only things that really came out of it is Eddie lost a hand. Uh, Dylan is starting to, uh, Dylan, his son, is starting to embrace the powers that he has, and uh, his powers are very much connected to symbiotes. Like he's kind of telepathically connected to other symbiotes, mm-hmm. and in being connected, he can control them. Okay, uh, and like it basically the same way that a symbiote takes over a human host, he can do the same kind of thing to a symbiote, but without touch. Hmm. Because when symbiotes try to merge with Dylan, they start to burn. There's there's a scene where Dylan's like, yeah, it's not trying to merge with me. I'm merging with it. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he could take, so he, yeah, he's infecting it is what he says. And he sure. uses it to locate where Eddie is on Venom Island and uh, takes control of the symbiote. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> Eddie gets rid of the carnage and venom symbiotes by getting struck by lightning. And so now the three of them are separate. The carnage symbiote is uh, infecting all of the animals on the island to try to hunt down Eddie. Dylan takes over the venom symbiote, turns it into the, the, into the T-Rex uh, from, from Old Man Logan. That was yeah. the first time we've ever seen a T-Rex venom. And they get off the island by the end. And oh, and... In Absolute Carnage, Dylan finds out that Eddie is his dad. In this volume, Eddie finds out that Dylan has powers. So they're starting to learn this whole like teamwork, opening up to people kind of a thing. Yeah. Eddie is back with 
his Venom symbiote and the Venom symbiote is acting as his hand. It, the symbiote cannot heal his hand anymore. Too much damage is done, but he will be his like prosthetic hand. Right. Okay. Um, huh. And it ends with Eddie telling the Avengers about Noel and what is coming so they can get yeah. And the, uh, the crossover, the event for Noel, I think it's called the King in Black. Okay. Because um, you know yep. that there's going to be another crossover. There's yeah. all, there always is. Absolutely. It's the, the, they're part of the, they're one of the best things about the Marvel <laughs> comic universe. Um, Yondu, my two Yondus, Yondu 3000 jumps to the past because he sees a vision in the fires to that 2000s MCU Yondu uh, needs to be saved. And so he can continue the centurion bloodline and become the legend that he is supposed to be okay. so we get into, we start with 2000s mcu yondu as your typical scoundrel uh, and again not literally mcu yondu but mcu inspired yondu. In- mcu looking yondu yeah uh his fin is actually a fin and he shaves it down <laughs> he keeps on trying to grow back and he keeps on shaving it down That's, i like that and this basically acts as like the introduction of MCU inspired Yondu. We get we see him as just kind of wandering around the universe. He had he spent some time with some, with the Ravagers. He has spent time with Quill, and so like they're pulling a lot um, yeah. from MCU. Um, I mean, that's Kraglin, welcome to me because yeah, it's fine. Yondu it's fine. is one of like one of my favorite characters in all of the MCU. He's just like one of the most relatable, soulful like. Uh, yeah. yeah what a what a fantastic character you've got yeah, he was a great a... he was great in in guardians one and two for sure yeah absolutely um and so like they introduced that he has a past with craglin but then craglin's dead and so they, they made a MacGuffin up for this title which is bothersome it's, just, it's if i look at it as they're just using it to introduce <laughs> 2000s yondu it's fine but they're <laughs> okay. like so it's like all free all freebooters worth their salt know a few artifacts in the galaxy more valuable than anything else. The cosmic control rod, the ultimate nullifier, the infinity stones, mm-hmm. and the fourth one thought to be a load of Ooh. myth, the herald's urn. And it's like, <laughs> what? Come on. Like, Come on. It's, yeah. it's this green glowing urn that apparently holds the ashes of the first herald of Galactus. Okay. Which... We spent the last 70 years knowing that Silver Surfer was the first Herald of Galactus. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Silver Surfer is the is the first surviving Herald of Galactus, apparently, mm-hmm. because there was one before then. And um, get this, Thanos got involved and went to Nidavellir, much like infinity war went to nidavellir which apparently is a place in the cosmos and not an alternate planet reality maybe there's two even though there's dwarves on this nidavellir too he goes there (laughs) convinces them to make a tool that could harness the power cosmic Mm. enter the herald's urn and then he takes the herald's urn and cremates this dead herald and puts the ashes inside the urn Opening the urn could bring about, it's kind of like Pandora's box. It could destroy the world. Yeah. But nobody knows. Um, It's anyway, but it kind of just ends with, with um, old school Yondu, a little bit of backstory and him feeling like, oh, maybe I could do this like good guy thing. Okay. That's it. 
Avengers, it's meh. It's uh, the writing wasn't great. Thor gets infected with a brood, and current Thor has a metal arm. It's a destroyer arm. Oh, okay. Everybody's lost limbs. Um, <laughs> They're all phase two'd up. Yeah, basically. But his arm also has transformed to brood, and I don't what? think that should happen. That's crazy. Okay. Right? Okay. As long as I'm not the only one. Because no, it's a metal no. arm. It's not his biological arm. Right. Um, brood are, yeah, organic beings, whatever. Exactly. And then Cap lifts Mjolnir. Um, to defend himself so now but, they just do that all the time now now that they did it in the mcu it's like this is this is just a thing that we're always going to do well so here's the thing so the last time he lifted it was to stand against cole the god of the norse god of fear to right. rally the troops in, in in fear itself in fear itself in that town that Asgard is right outside. Anyway, oh, right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Asgard is on when, Earth in Nebraska, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so that's when he becomes worthy. He holds the hammer, and it's this big moment. Yeah. Here, he tries to lift the hammer. He can't, and he goes. <laughs> Think worthy thoughts. Baseball, apple pie, punching Nazis, and then he holds the hammer. Like that's not okay. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> It's like Talk it's the about writing that is not good. Importance. <laughs> the writing yeah. is not good. They oh, and boy. they come across the Star Jammer, um, and that's what they're using to get out of here. Oh my gosh! They also, I think they've shown this before, but the Shi'ar have an entire prison galaxy. Oh God! Yeah, that sounds familiar. The and Shi'ar so, are shit. Yeah. So the most of it is taking place in that galaxy. It just blows my mind that there's an entire galaxy that the Shi'ar have. So yeah, the it's the Raven Star, maximum security prison galaxy, designed and managed by the Shi'ar Imperium. Artificial stars, 110 million prefabricated planets, 40 million estimated inmate population, four quadrillion. Oh my god, <laughs> inmates! In the, anyway, and so they everyone is going there because somehow the star brand from Earth. Mm-hmm. has appeared here in this galaxy hmm. okay so and the star brand for people who don't know who was created by hickman in a in a non-marvel no, no. book and no. then no oh, really yeah no this was it was created in the 70s there was a uh, a big uh they decided there was a creator who's like i'm gonna start a new superhero universe and call it new universe and it was yeah. published by marvel it was so it wasn't six one six, but it was it wasn't no. Hickman either. It was in oh, the I 70s. thought it was Hickman. No, and then it got rebooted in the two thousands by Warren Ellis. He had that Ellis, new universal that's look. Yeah, because I then, have that book. Yep, and then that didn't last super long. And it was then, only had just one volume. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and then Hickman brought those characters and those concepts over he to six one six. Yes, in, Ellis wrote the Universal. My yeah, bad. but it was it was somebody else's before that, and I I really should know. But anyway, I did not know about the first one. I knew yeah. about New Universal. Thank you for the clarification. Basically, when a white event occurs, a white event is something that threatens to destroy a planet. The planet Earth bestows upon it 
a ridiculous amount of power. And by it, I mean the star brand, and it puts the star brand on a being, a creature, whatever. Yeah. The very first creature, the very first star brand, according to 616 universe timeline, is a T-Rex right after <laughs> what? Right after um, oh my god. Right after the first comet, after the after the comet hit to, that took out oh my the, um, god. The dinosaurs that's uh, hilarious it put a it put a star brand on a t-rex oh and the t-rex God. fought off a kree invasion <laughs> yeah man so <laughs> and if you've ever wanted to see a T-Rex shooting oh, plasma forever. out of its mouth. Yes, with the star brand on its chest. With the star brand on its chest, fighting off a green <laughs> invader looking like an accuser in here. There you go. Um, You've got to be fucking kidding me. That's Yeah. So I feel like they did this. Hilarious. They told this little backstory because Hickman just kind of brought a star brand in and didn't really spend any time explaining where star brands came from. Mm-hmm. He said why they exist and he's talked about earth defense system and he talked about white events, but he didn't go into what a white event is. Right. He didn't really go into like the significance of a star brand. It's he just says that it's powerful and the way he writes, you're just like, he is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, feel like that's what part of this is but anyway so we get some more backstory into the star brand we we see the star brand coming across the the prehistoric avengers and then current time we have a sassy black widow wearing a a a war machine armor oh um wow that she goes by war widow or at least they called her war widow it looks cool it just doesn't make a whole Mm -hmm. lot of sense for her sure but point is it ends with this, they they find the star brand. The star brand seemed to be on some pregnant woman who was originally sent off Earth to go work in some mines. And then the mines got closed down. The Shi'ar found all them. They decided that they were all criminals and they sent them to their prison galaxy. Okay. So whatever. So the Shi'ar or Gladiator only is trying to find the star brand. The Avengers are trying to find the Star Brand. Three heralds get together to try to find the Star Brand. And it's uh, Silver Surfer, Black, Terax, and, and Firestar. For whatever reason. Fire Lord. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Sure. But it's, you know, an excuse to clash powers. Um, yeah. and bash, your action, it, bash your action figures against each other. Exactly. Yeah. So Pregnant Lady has a Star Brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the climax is her giving birth. And all of this power exploding out and all this other ridiculousness. Straight out of her vajay. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, because it's actually the newborn child that has the star brand. Okay. And now they're back on Earth with a child with a star brand on its belly. It's very Naruto. But <laughs> here we are. Sure. And the la- like the last quote is something from like T'Challa to Steve being like, what are we going to do when he has a tantrum? <laughs> And then, it, and then it doesn't even say the end. It just, oh, I'm sorry. What happens when she cries? It doesn't even say the end or to be continued. It just has the Avengers logo and moves on. Uh-huh. I'm like, all right, cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Iron Man, Ultron agenda. We talked about Arno Stark. The other thing is that Ultron is in this, but this is a very different Ultron. 
because there is an actual side book called Ultron something. And it ended with Hank Pym merging with Ultron, like merging tech and bio. They became one. Mm. And that was the only way that Hank felt that he could influence or control Ultron. And they went off world. Hank Pym, who is uh, notorious for making great decisions. He is, he's a great decision maker. Yeah. He is also the creator of Ultron. Ultron has a daddy complex. Right. And these um, things may or may not be related. Yes. Anyway, he has shown up back on Earth before. And the only major takeaway from that was Ultron finally admitted that he dis- that he killed Pym in order to take Pym on. Mm-hmm. Because he there was all this argument back and forth about... I'm still alive. We're both still alive in here. Blah, 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 blah. And then he he said, I killed Pim. And which gave Janet enough confidence to shunt him into the sun, which Sweet. is the, the go-to uh, yeah, when you disposal do it. method. Um, <laughs> it has yet to take hold, by the way. <laughs> right. Every All single the- person they've sent to the sun has made it back somehow. <laughs> um, there's currently a world tree on the sun. So like... Sure. That's a whole other story. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, Yggdrasil is on the sun right now. Oh my god. Um, yeah, of course. So Hank Pym or Ultron shows back up and he's touting this whole merge, like find your perfect being, merge machine and man. And it's a whole thing. Well, first, he kidnaps Jarvis and puts a little control thing in the back of his head, a little mm-hmm. Ultron controlling thing. And Jarvis summons Wonder Man, Simon Williams, and Vision, very Ultron related. Yeah. Uh, and merges them and, and uses him. Uses so them. everybody's doing fucking fusion dances. Yes. Okay. Uh, but they're horrific fusions and not like. <laughs> Not not like old man fusion and fat guy fusion. It's like legit, just like melted together fusion. Oh, gross. Um, and then uses Wonder Vision to go and attack Tony. This, that, and the other thing. Like skipping over a lot of the details. There's a lot of conversations about rights of artificial intelligences. Mm. Um, and that's been an underlying tone for this whole series, all 19 issues, because current this current Stark Unlimited company has a lot of AI. Jocasta is there. Friday is there. Uh, Aaron Stack is a huge player. Robot Man, uh, but Machine he's more Man. he Machine Man. Sorry, uh, he's more of a activist antagonist for Stark Unlimited. Yeah, uh, saying that like the fleshies shouldn't be the ones in control of the company. It should be it should be the AIs and yada. Um, Once again, Warren Ellis making his mark because he was not that kind of character before Next Wave. Right. Yeah. Ever since Next Wave, every time he's shown up, he's not been just all him. about the, all, the fleshy all of, hate. All of the all of the characters in Next Wave, like Boom Boom, was not that character before Next Wave. Yeah, she wasn't, you know a, she wasn't a drunk airhead. Um, well, a little bit of an airhead, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I love it. All of them. <laughs> Much yeah. improved. It's, so there's a lot of those kinds of conversations and they are incredibly compelling. Like um, Jocasta wants a more biological body. Hmm. And then that kind of, she's starting to date Aaron Stack. Um, okay. 
and she wants to get a more biological body because that's the person that she wants to be. Aaron does not support this. It's like, why would you want more fleshy parts and all this other stuff? <laughs> um, but so Jocasta goes to Arno because he's figured this out. Yeah. Um, and this is not the other thing. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. Tony ends up getting merged with his armor that he used in an attack against Ultron on the Avengers Mansion. While that is happening, they're able to um, split Simon and Vision because they're able to isolate the ionic energy of, of Simon and split it from the tech of Vision okay, and split them back up. And so all they have to do is go into Tony's body and send ionic particles to onto all of the bio uh, mass, even though they've been molecularly bonded, but whatever it, it's comics. But yeah, 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 of course. The main point is while doing this, Tony sees a blood cell that literally is stamped property of the Maria Stark Foundation, <laughs> and um, <laughs> so cool, cool. What and it has like a barcode on it. The uh, the main takeaway there is Tony has been struggling with, am I the real Tony Stark? Is the Theseus ship, right? So am I the real Tony Stark or am I just a copy? Because yeah, yeah. at the end of Civil War II, he died and he rebuilt his body and implanted his memories into the new body. Oh, so okay. he's been having this like identity crisis of like, am I actually Tony Stark? I don't actually know. Sure. Um, and so that has been coming into play as another perspective of like AI rights. Is he an AI? Oh, or is he great. Tony Stark? Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, yeah. And so by seeing that, by seeing that he is actually manufactured, it's not like some fresh biological cells, it's helped him get to the point where he knows he's just a copy of Tony Stark. Yeah. There's, there's a scene uh, where he's being interrogated like in front of like a government panel because of some other stuff that went down in previous volumes. And they bring up the AI that Tony gave Riri Williams to help her run her Ironheart suit. Oh. And the, the senator guy is just like, what's the difference between you two? And it kind of ends mm. with Tony being like, um, there isn't. And, and so it, it ends with Tony accepting the fact that he is not the real Tony Stark. The real Tony Stark died at the end of Civil War II at the hands of Carol Danvers. Right. And he is, he is no longer, like, Tony doesn't exist anymore. He's, wow. He's just a copy. He's a program. And, and That's heavy shit, man. Yeah. That was wow. really interesting. So, and that's why I was like, oh my gosh, we should totally talk about this with uh the, superhero, the ethics. superhero ethics guys yeah this is right up their alley but yeah so it's uh, oh another thing that's led him through all this like stuff is he got trapped in an ai world that was supposed to be like the, their new product uh, that they were going to send out as basically yeah. like a second life kind of thing he got trapped in it and under the influence of that program he took a drink which he's been fighting his sobriety for years. Right. Yeah. And that messed him up because he was like, you know, he didn't physically take a drink, but mentally 
in this virtual world mm. he took a drink he he yeah and what's the difference between that world and our world right especially when you're an artificial intelligence <laughs> so um interesting yeah so he's really struggling with that and so the last time we see him in this comic he's sitting at a bar holding oh, holding no. a shot kind of talk it's new year's eve and he's talking with the bartender and <laughs> he's a scotch neat see some id you got me pal i was actually born 18 months ago in a tube i i won't be illegal drink, drinking age for another 20 years and then they say <laughs> that is it's tony and whatever yeah <laughs> uh, uh and he's like tell you the truth this will be my first drink ever really <laughs> he's like you almost you you never had a drink before your whole life it's like once i was playing a video game with friends and they served me some virtual drinks like a mocktail something like that so this this is going to be the first real alcohol to touch these lips what's the harm right and it's just him just sad and looking at the at the drink oh, and then man. that's the last we see him and then it ends with arno rebuilt his parents howard and maria oh using oh my using yeah using the ais that were created so they were created as howard and maria were created in the that ai program as the security for everything to like run everything as the oh, AI security okay. and yeah. so arno took those two programs built two bodies for them and put them in <laughs> right. so they have these two so they have howard and maria stark they know that they were dead and they have been recreated yeah arno gave them that like intelligence about that wow. okay um and so they're just celebrating their newfound life but yeah. howard and maria stark are now alive again ish depending on your definition of alive right um, and it ends with arno going to times square at the ball drop and revealing his new iron man 2020 armor hmm. and iron man 2020 is up there it's <laughs> further down the shelf but yeah it was super interesting it was such a um, character introspective journey for tony and bringing up some really good like what is at what point is artificial intelligence alive questions yeah um, yeah absolutely yeah it was uh i had a lot to take away it was i mean having ultron hank was kind of boring but it it brought in it create it helped create these extra internal dialogues so fine mm -hmm. um but uh yeah it was it was pretty interesting also there's a uh, there's an ai there's a robot bar called the hidden Sweet. valley yeah uh, i'm sorry the uncanny valley the uncanny valley nice yeah <laughs> it's, called, it's called the uncanny valley and it, and only robots are allowed and i and i love it <laughs> Sweet. that's awesome but yeah that's everything i i, I that's remember. everything oh man yeah well uh, <laughs> next that, up that is sounds morbius like, sounds like a good uh good week of reading yeah it was really good i had a great awesome. time with the exception of the star brand avengers book <laughs> it happens yeah well, uh, I, I also read four books this week. Well, I have four things to talk about. How's that? The first thing that came across in my pack was an arc on Hulk. Mm. And, you know, this being an X-Men pack, I was, you know, a little surprised to see that. It, it, it happens quite a bit where one character will have like, and <laughs> because, it's, because it's the X-Men, it's usually Wolverine. One character will have a cameo. <laughs> you know, in somebody else's title. And, and it's, it's very just like, 
oh, hey, look, Wolverine showed up. This doesn't have anything to do with him. He's just kind of like a, just a cameo to to sell some extra books. Uh, right. Just so you, throw him on the, so you can throw him on the cover. So you can throw him on the cover. Exactly. So I was looking at the cover of the first issue and Wolverine and Kazar were on it. I'm like, okay, cool. That's what this is. This is not what this was. Mm. So, and I was, I was very pleasantly surprised. In fact, I really enjoyed this, this arc. So a little bit of backstory, and this is just what I've gleaned from things that I've talked about on the podcast. Uh, Hulk's been injured lately or something because there was that, issue of daredevil that i talked about where he went to some island that hulk was kind of convalescing at and uh stole some of his blood like normally you wouldn't right. be able to cut hulk bad enough to to get a, any decent amount of blood but uh hulk has been injured or in some way and and so yeah so that's been uh, been a problem that's going on with him and also after onslaught hulk because onslaught knock the reality warping powers right. quote-unquote separated banner from hulk that doesn't really seem to be what's going on here there seems to be a lot of banner left but i don't i think he just can't transform back and forth oh, okay it starts with hulk running away to antarctica because he's being hounded by military and he stumbles across the savage land he kills a T-Rex while he's there. He's made this sort of figurehead or warlord of a, of a Savage Land clan. Wolverine and Kazar, you know, having a connection to the Savage Land are like, yeah, this is a, this is a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> his <laughs> presence is causing conflict, like the tribes are getting, you know, territorial and, and aggressive because of this. And so they're like, Hulk, you gotta, you gotta put an end to this. And so Hulk starts a fight with another T-Rex and then lets the T-Rex just like chomp on him and fling him away. And that's enough to sort of defuse the conflict. And then at the end, Wolvie and Hulk are hanging out and Logan's like, Hey, good thinking. That was a, a really excellent way to defuse that conflict. You did a great job there. And he goes to pat him on the back and Hulk just goes, thump. he just face plants straight into the ground. And Logan's like, oh, there's something really wrong here. He's not doing so hot. So he takes him to the X-Mansion to put him in, you know, their like medical equipment to heal up. And he's like, you know, Hulk's like stumbling on his shoulder. And every single person they come across, they're like, you brought the Hulk here? You're crazy. He's going to destroy the mansion. Like, <laughs> every, like Cyclops says it, and then Storm says it, and then Cable says it, and like those exact words. It's hilarious. And Logan's like, no, 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 no. Just treat him with respect, and it's all going to be okay. They're like, no, we got to put him in these, you know, restraints and have hold weapons on him and all oh, this stuff. And of course, it backfires. Uh, Storm calls up Forge and has a whip up a weapon that can stop him. They end up having to use it, and they knock him through a wall straight to the feet of Apocalypse, who was there for some reason. Oh. And Apocalypse, he's like, hey, Hulk, <laughs> how would you, I gotta, I gotta, I got something for you here. And basically he's trying to recruit Hulk to become his newest horseman war. But he, yeah, but his, his carrot, you know, he, to heal, heal him up, obviously. But more than that, Hulk has been tormented by sort of 
visions and memories of his abusive father. And I, I remember in our second episode, I was talking about the, the apocalypse origins story mm-hmm. and uh, how, you know, they, they reduce apocalypse's entire internal conflict or like motivation for becoming apocalypse to be like, he liked a girl, but everyone thinks he's ugly. Right. It's like, aha, I will destroy the world. Just the most juvenile. No, <laughs> no. In the space of like three panels. And then I looked up the right. Of course, this is Peter David who did like a legendary like 10 year arc run on Hulk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like Peter David's writing quite a bit on X Factor. So anyway, he, he does more of an origin story in Hulk in like half a page. And <laughs> then, <laughs> then this four issue miniseries pulled off. Okay, so Apocalypse says to Hulk, referencing his uh, memories of his father, You fear the ghosts, Hulk. I feared them once when they had form. The lash made me strong, Hulk. And this is dialogue over they're watching Apocalypse's memories of being a slave in Egypt, basically building the pyramids by himself. <laughs> And he says, the lash made me strong, Hulk, in a way. It, it weighs as heavily on, on me now as it did then. It cuts through the flesh of your back into your soul. And it's just, it's like, this is a motivation for why somebody would pick up on this ethos of the strong survive, mm-hmm. right? Like, I endured slavery. I overcame it. It made me stronger and it, the, it's not just the, the, the psychological wounds and the psychological weight. Like I am this ultimate survivor. I have, I have uh, over the, over the course of thousands of years, I have overcome this formative experience of slavery and made this into an ethos of, yes, it is my power. It is my strength that delivered me from this. And he doesn't say it outright, but like, even if I'm reading into it, that's so much more of an origin story and like so much more of a motivation than they did in four whole issues of, of his miniseries. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, the next panels, Apocalypse says to Hulk, you have shrapnel in your skull, Hulk, ghosts in your past. These make you vulnerable. I can relieve you of your vulnerability. No, no one and nothing could ever hurt you. Not even she could. And Hulk Ooh. says, Hulk says, how do you know there's a she? And Apocalypse looks over his shoulder at him and says, you are transparent. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So dope. And yeah, just, just, yeah. You, you mentioned it in our, in our chat here, but just, when when somebody nails the the detached remove of apocalypse like the the wisdom of millennia mixed with the sort of perspective of millennia and uh-huh. tied to this obsessive vision and ethos uh towards strength and and lionization of strength it just it turns into this yeah incredibly compelling character that is so often missed when when apocalypse shows up in stories yeah Uh, he's so often just used as like he's he's nigh omnipotent so let's just have have him be the wall that people try to break down yeah there's so much more to him than that 
So there's also some sort of side stories going on in this. Um, I guess Thunderbolt Ross was dead at the time. Uh, but in the, in one of these issues, he returns, he's revealed to be alive again. Mm-hmm. And like, you, you know, do like you do as, <laughs> as happens. And uh, Henry Peter Gyrich is the one who reveals this to uh, Betty Banner. And so they're reunited. And I guess Thunderbolt is like cool with, with Bruce and Hulk and the marriage. Now he's like, you know, I've got some perspective and apparently when he died, I was looking up on the wiki. When he died, he kind of like saw Hulk being a hero and it kind of changed him. The other side story is that Rick Jones and his granddaughter from the future, Janice, <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. They get a tip from uh, Absorbing Man, Crusher Creel, that, that Hulk has been abducted by Apocalypse. Who He got found out, apparently there's this crazy villain organization going on in the Hulk comics at this time called New World Order. Mm. Creel wants into its inner circle. Uh, Juggernaut apparently is in on its inner circle. I don't know a whole lot of the other characters in it, but Ozymandias approached New World Order and Mm. said, hey, Apocalypse abducted Hulk. This is bad news for everybody. You You should go do something about this. So they send Creel and he does this as, as his way to get inside. So uh, Rick Jones and his granddaughter from the future, Janice, and Creel all go uh, to confront Hulk in Egypt. And uh, by this point, the, the transformation's done. He is now war. He's got like these sort of implants on his face and on his arm. They look like armor, but it's explained they're actually implants that put him under Apocalypse's control. And the shrapnel on his head has been removed and, you know, the various health issues are cleared up. So Hulk picks up a pyramid and drops it. (laughs) 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 And and drops it on them. And uh, apparently it it misses or something. Uh, Creel grabs this sort of, a celestial tech apocalypse sword that apocalypse gave to Hulk and he tries to absorb it and he just explodes. <laughs> it was just too much. <laughs> and then apocalypse jo- uh, and sorry. And then juggernaut joins the battle and you know, they start slugging it out and it's not taking much of Hulk's attention. So during the middle of this, uh, Rick Jones tries to talk Hulk down, but he just swats him away and just like tremendous, you know, injury to Rick Jones, but no emotional impact on Hulk at all, mm. Mm. which, yeah. And it, it's interesting. It it was a really interesting writing choice because that's such a like cliche, like, oh my God, I hurt my friend. I can't believe it. This is my catharsis for having to change. no. But what it does do is it triggers another memory of his abusive bully father, which oh, he wow. thought he was free of from being turned into war. And so he gets pissed off. He's like, fuck this. He tears off the apocalypse control graphs off of his body and leaps away. Wow. And that's the end of the arc. Wow. Yeah. So needless to say, I was, I was a big fan. I really enjoyed this. In a little side story, because then there was an issue of Peter Parker's Spider-Man. So Juggernaut ends up with the sword at the end of it. And he 
wanders back to New York City to find a buyer for it because he wants to raise money for Black Tom's medical expenses. It's again, like this sort of anti-hero, anti-villain role for him and runs into Spider-Man. And he's like, God damn it. Like, (laughs) I don't have time for this, but you're just going to like web me up and try and fight me and be super annoying. I'm just going to beat the crap out of you and then just like be on my way. Okay. Just like, just, I know that there's no avoiding this. So let's get it over with. And just like swats him. And then in the fight, a little kid steals the sword. So he goes on this rampage through the city and Spidey's like, really all you need is a sword? Okay, kid, go go get the sword and gives it back to him and diffuses it without any further fight or, or rampage. I thought that was cool. And it's also like an interesting level of trust in Juggernaut and an interesting sort of step towards his rehabilitation that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Even, if, you know, just that he would be sort of present in mind enough to to not fly off the handle and let this be a resolution to the event yeah uh anyway i'll try and go a little faster here uh the next arc was x-force i actually really like uh, like i said i've been enjoying x-force it starts with a standoff the mutant liberation front which at this point is danny moonstar right she is uh undercover as a shield agent forearm tempo wild side and dragoness and no not tempo locus (laughs) and uh so they're in a standoff that it turns out was secretly set up by operation zero tolerance they they leaked them bad information that you know that this facility was doing some sort of experimentation on on mutants and the mutant liberation front takes some hostages who secretly turn out to be Prime Sentinels. So mm. per GW Bridges tip from last time I was talking about X-Force, Domino, Sunspot, and Siren go in uh, disguised as reporters to rescue Danny. And they're talking to Operation Zero Tolerance agents outside. And they're like, yeah, let him in. And the somebody at uh, Operation Zero Tolerance is like, hey, I checked out their credentials and they're uh, like I, I I know who they are. With any luck, they'll just beat the crap out of each other, and we can be totally blameless in this. Or escalate a mutant conflict, and we can go in and be like, "See, mutants are dangerous." You know, mm-hmm. yada yada. Either yada, way, yada. we're gonna win. Yep. So Richter, Shatterstar, and Boom Boom slash. At these days, she's calling herself Meltdown, but we all know her as Boom Boom. <laughs> they stay outside the hostage standoff and are kidnapped separately and immediately by Operation Zero Tolerance. Uh, there's also a side story going on with Cable and Caliban uh, because Caliban has been having those seizures and Cable wants to go get him checked out. They call up Angel uh, because they all have history with Apocalypse tech and Angel has recently grown back his uh, original feathered wings. And so that's like, a, you know, oh, there's a way to defeat apocalypses you know tech and and chain transformation so let's let's go take a look at this there's also another side story i I mentioned uh warpath and his deal with sledge and the whole risque thing and he wants to find the the information about his tribe all being murdered so that guy sledge is having him wear a special suit that'll allow him to survive in the negative zone and take a portal into the negative zone 
to find a certain something for him and it's not revealed what yet huh yeah which um i don't believe you need a special suit for the negative zone anymore well maybe you didn't then who knows wires right? crossed doesn't matter the suit <laughs> looks cool cool <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, back to the hostage situation. Locust teleports away because she's like, "I'm this is a terrible idea, and you guys are treating me like crap." So now Mutant Liberation Front has no way out. The Siren and Sunspot are like, "Well, we can each only carry one person," so they carry out Danny and Forearm and leave Domino behind with this Prime Sentinel. So Prime Sentinels are humans who have had sentinel technology implanted in them this is the first time that it has been revealed and domino apparently has history with this particular crime sentinel who is the commanding officer ekaterina griaznova and apparently domino accidentally fried her brain while she was controlling a thing and blah 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 blah. she didn't know it but she destroyed a robot and just you know fried the brain of the person controlling it Mm. and there's a cool montage in there of domino aliases through the years she's like i've been tracking you domino you were this person you were this person you were this person and uh, (laughs) and just like some of those were me (laughs) some of those definitely weren't (laughs) me because copycat (laughs) was pretending to be me for a year but cool you do Uh... (laughs) so that's it for x-force enjoyable going towards more good things next on my list is i had one issue of x-men operations zero tolerance so last at the end of the hong kong story arc right with shang chi and shaw and kingpin there was a big operation zero tolerance plane that was abducting the x-men in their plane just sort of like showed up to attack them in transit so operation zero tolerance just absolutely wrecks the x-men captures Cyclops, Storm, and Cannonball like immediately. And then they go and infiltrate the mansion and they steal all of the data from Xavier's war room, which has happened in the literally the last three crossovers that took place in 616. <laughs> like the exact same thing. Like, the Phalanx did it and then Onslaught did it. And now Operation Zero Tolerance is doing it. It's like, you're fucking kidding me, bro. <laughs> Dude, but anyway, that's my that is my singular complaint about Batman Beyond. <laughs> yeah, I never watched Batman Beyond. He fought, so I watched. Sorry, super tangent. Um, I played it in the background while I was making all my comic book collages. The uh-huh. like the oh, yeah, yeah. table and the wall Great collages. Terry McGinnis is Batman Beyond, and he mm-hmm. has Old Man Bruce Wayne in his ear. Okay, yeah. Bruce and or Terry have a way to deal with every single thing they come up against except electricity (laughs) (laughs) batman will be winning and then he gets shocked and the bad guy gets away (laughs) this went on for like four seasons or however long the show is it got to the point it got to the point at the end of the show in the last season i'd be watching and he'd be kicking he he they has like recurring villains and he knows how to fight those villains he knows how to beat them and i'm like okay he's winning too easily here how is yep. he going to get shocked like <laughs> he'll get thrown into like a street lamp or like a, a power box or like 
they'll throw cars at him and he'll dodge. They will throw, <laughs> they'll shoot at him and he'll dodge. They'll like do all these things and he'll go camo, he'll dodge, he'll fly, he'll do all these things. He has all these countermeasures except for electricity. <laughs> I don't understand how even just being Bruce, who's watching it happen like we are, how has he not rubberized this suit? How has he not insulated this suit? It has so much tech. It has it has retractable wings. It has like infrared and all these different lenses on the eyes. It has so much tech and yet it still falls to electricity. <laughs> so ridiculous i feel like that's the type of thing where if you're a little kid watching you're like yeah of course electricity like <laughs> you can't do anything about electricity you're electrocuted I guess. <laughs> so ridiculous i'm sorry that no it, totally like great. when 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 heroes don't learn from their mistakes and it happens to them more than twice it's not right. okay <laughs> i think we found our episode title here <laughs> um, anyway so the only other thing from that x-men issue is that we see a, a conversation between bastion appearing in a hologram and xavier who is revealed to be captive inside a hulkbuster base oh uh-huh. yeah like a hulkbuster bunker type thing yeah yeah, so that's intense because last we saw him he just accepted willing arrest to Val Cooper uh, after Onslaught. Like, hey, my mm. powers are pretty oh, burned out, right. but, you know, this, um, I wasn't consciously culpable, culpable for Onslaught, but I know I had some part in creating it. So let's, you know, get me under some wraps. part. Yeah, right. <laughs> the whole part. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, issue of Marvel team up with where uh, Spider-Man teamed up with Generation X in Los Angeles. That wasn't interesting, except for Paige husks into a diamond form and then scrapes her finger to give a poor single mother some small diamonds and then that's a potentially extremely gross application of your powers like do they turn back into skin at some point right (laughs) that that raises so many questions like she turns back into her skin form and it's and she just has a bloody finger it's like (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you just you just all have infant money it's like the 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 issue uh you were telling me about with multiple man where he takes like a hundred dollar bills and then multiplies himself yeah like like crazy and all of a sudden he has infinite money it's like so you all can just do this like so nothing matters (laughs) (laughs) well so okay in the only argument against multiple because he did do that he had he like reached in his pocket he had like three bills and he's like yeah i need more money Right. But so the the um the the catch on that is that those bills all have the same serial number. Right. So he's not creating more money. Right. Technically, he's he's, he's legitimately counterfeiting. Yeah. It, it gets, but like he's even like recopying like all the blood and coke that's on <laughs> on all these bills. Like, yeah. He could do some. <gasps> oh my gosh! Like he just he could just recreate any drug he can recreate any object he, oh he can, that he oh. can can he recreate an infinity stone let's oh, not think about it let's not think even. about it no there's no there's no there's no good way to get out of this 
Like, there's no... Steven. <laughs> Could he? There's... <laughs> You've never dealt with the situation of in more than one Infinity Stone that belongs to the same universe. Right. Well, actually, we kind of have. Okay, so there was... <laughs> uh, the first time we come across the Infinity Stones post-MCU. Yeah. And they've changed colors. Right. The Power Stone, which used to be green, I believe, is now purple. Mm-hmm. It's also the size of a giant boulder. Right. And they chipped off some of it and they were able to use some of his power. Okay. So, the, so Ish arguably kind of okay. could have right. more than one within that universe. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, this is the point where it just like, you a mundane power like a seemingly very simple power gets used for something that's like of cosmic like you are (laughs) you are creating mass you know like it's the type of thing where you think about in any amount of like for any amount of time and the whole thing breaks yeah how does that scientifically work dude uh, oh man i have yeah it's like how, how how do all of these superheroes like eat enough calories to create the amount of energy that they expend fighting like it, it's well here's you, the thing you can't, they, you can't think about any of it to that extent none of them go to the bathroom so True. everything they eat <laughs> gets turned into energy <laughs> we see plenty of people eat we never see them go to the bathroom yeah great with the point. exception of some like slapstick deadpool yeah thing. deadpool quite a uh, bit and he can't say slapstick because that's an actual character too. But um, <laughs> and this is my nerd side coming out in my real life. Um, yeah. But like I, I asked people that I worked with last night, uh, if you could have any superpower, what it would it be? Yeah. Most of them said flight. Yeah. And I was like, cool, fine, flight. But and then I was like, okay, but how do you fly? So is it levitation? Is it wings? If it's yeah. wings, are they like bird wings? Are they insect wings? Like, let's go into this. Is right. it rocket boots? What? Right. <laughs> There's like, oh, everyone ended up choosing levitation because they because you don't have to think about it. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't yeah. change. It's it's. There's a Grant Morrison quote. I don't 100 agree with it, but I mostly agree with it. Where like, <laughs> people ask Superman, how does Superman fly? He fucking flies. Who cares? Shut up. <laughs> yeah yeah there's some things you just kind of roll with you just Um, have to yeah because when you start to expect things to make sense then you are opening a rabbit hole of things making sense that the whole premise of the whole reason when you need things to make sense you're cutting yourself off from so many story potential stories yes now opening the door for elaboration can open the door for other interesting stories too but it's about the expectation it's about the expectation of it rather than the than the opportunity for it i guess yeah i i so when we when we when you try to take it from a scientific real world perspective it falls apart right when you approach when you let the in-universe storylines approach it and then yeah. you use that as your basis then yeah there's a certain amount of hand waving you have to do at yeah. any level you you have to accept in order to read any speculative fiction like scott lang ex- expanding on pin particles and the three th- the three axes of, of pin right and this is i guess 
comes into my broader rant on continuity, which I don't want to get into today because we're already over an hour. We have, we have, yeah, we have like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I have to go get my shot. But like, if you expect everything to make sense with one another, then you are, you're kind of chaining yourself to everything, every explanation that you've ever given for something having to fit with every other explanation that you've given for everything. And there's just no... Yeah, or, or every like character tangent or experiment that you tried to do having to perfectly jive with everything else and it's like this just fundamentally isn't to me isn't what a superhero story is like it's this mm-hmm. sprawling manic nonsense thing of like you know just lots and lots of stories that yeah. that broadly fit together or you know they can they can build on each other opportunistically but not they don't have 100 percent. absolutely yeah 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 i miss this is sort of connected but i i miss white nick fury <laughs> uh-huh uh and, but what they did with him makes it so hard to come back and like as long as mcu sam jackson is a still a thing it's i i don't see black fury leaving anytime soon yeah okay yeah yeah absolutely but i, I miss dude black fury has nothing on the original <laughs> nick fury senior it's nick fury jr nick fury senior i should raise that yeah but nick fury senior there we have not seen someone with military intelligence the levels that senior has yeah like I blew, oh my gosh. Okay, so the guys on Superhero Ethics, uh, I kind of blew their minds about some Hickman stuff because we were talking about Howard Stark. Yeah. And because there's a there's a revelation that comes up that if you connect the dots, brings up Howard Stark from uh, Falcon and the Soldier. Oh, so, okay. Um, I haven't, I haven't it's, watched it's five not or six yet. So that's fine. It's not mentioned. Yeah. It's just like, well, okay. given this and given this, Howard oh, Stark. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, um, and so we talked about that, and I was like, "Well, you know, he did hang out with Leonardo da Vinci and Nostradamus and right. stuff." And they're like, "Wait, what?" I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so, so I told them about Shield, and then how like all these inner workings. And then I started talking about uh, <laughs> Wheels Within Wheels on Secret Warriors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and Hickman's whole thing about that, and how Hickman introduced Hydra being Shield, but then at the same time they showed that Levi, Nick Fury and his yeah. brother were in control of Hydra at the same time. <laughs> so it's just, this, it's just yeah. this whole overarching ridiculousness, and and both both Paul and Matt were just like, "Wow, comics!" I'm like, "I know, right?" <laughs> that's that's really comics. what it comes down to. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I have one more one more book to get through. I have an arc. On oh Deadpool. my bad. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's all good. Uh, but I also wanted to read this, uh, the full quote from Grant Morrison here. Mm. He says, kids understand that real crabs don't sing like the ones in Little Mermaid, but you give an adult fiction and the adult starts to ask really dumb, really fucking dumb questions like, how does Superman fly? How do those eye beams work? Who pumps the Batmobile's tires? It's a <laughs> fucking made up story, you idiot. Nobody pumps the tires. <laughs> <laughs> Alfred pumps the tires. Right. Yeah. Get it right. <laughs> anyway so deadpool this this arc opens up with wade getting two mercenary assignments from the hellhole which is sort of this like you know a place in chicago that has 
mercenaries hanging out and bidding for assignments. One is to save a woman in a mental hospital, and the other is to kill the same woman. Oh. And he's like, cool, I'll get a twofer. I'll, I'll bust her out and then I'll kill her. <laughs> <laughs> and once he gets to the hospital, he's ambushed by another mercenary named Vamp, who's, I have this in my notes, a busty, parentheses, aren't they all, woman who transforms into a weird male presenting form with a giant head. And this is where a lot of I mentioned last time I talked about Deadpool kind of starting to get disenchanted from the charming opening and it's really losing quite a bit more goodwill with me here because it just uses it for opportunity for a lot of just like misogynistic and transphobic jokes and Mm. it's like product of the times yeah it's Deadpool really works a lot better with today's humor than 90s humor to me Mm. like I, I feel like we've given up on edgy humor in a lot of ways yeah and thank god yeah yeah Um, i mean if if the edgy humor of today is gonna suck in 2040 right when like the 2040 versions of ourselves are doing this exact same thing right absolutely and and rather than just being an edgelord today i feel like deadpool is a much more compelling character one of the things i was thinking about deadpool is a slight tangent one of the things that i think really does work about deadpool is when you lean into how pathetic he is and how Mm. funny his patheticness is but then also like how endearing how funny he makes being pathetic (laughs) anyway man uh, but i i i greatly prefer this sort of like all-purpose queer uh insanely horny fourth wall breaking deadpool of you know recent decades to Mm -hmm. 90s sort of much more edgy and misogynist deadpool deadpool Um, lately has been pulling zero punches oh man badass so anyway he he beats vamp and then he gets into the mental hospital and it turns out that the girl that he has been hired to save and kill is typhoid mary and uh-huh. the client who hired to kill her is the mary walker persona because she can't deal wow. with this shit anymore and the client <laughs> who hired to get her uh, hired him to get her out is typhoid oh my lord and the client who hired the vamp the other merc to stop him is bloody mary okay <laughs> wow okay yeah right. so so he he helps typhoid escape but she turns out she has no money and he's like well i I don't know i'm trying to do this hero thing so i guess i'm not going to kill you either so i'm out of money on this so how about i put you to work at the hellhole because you clearly have skills and i'll just take a cut off of your jobs for a little while (laughs) and it turns out she used to hook up with the main villain of the series t-ray which is gross and creepy. And then she kind of has this uh, encounter with Wade, which is heavily implied to be this sort of mix of sexual and violent, which fits both characters. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't think they ever actually do it. She just, a lot of suggestive things happen and Wade acts like a child, (laughs) a horny kid. 
And yeah, so over the course of this, uh, one of her persona, uh, one of the Mary personas recovers some repressed memory about Daredevil and runs off to New York City. And then they have a uh, Daredevil slash Deadpool crossover annual. I don't know how familiar with you are with annuals because they don't get published anymore. But basically, every... yeah, they do. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They get they they get thrown into the end of like second volumes and stuff. Okay, sure. So yeah, the, I don't know if they're still this way, but generally they don't have anything to do with sort of the main plot. They're just just a bit of a side story, a bit of a you know right. tangent or something else. You know, something self-contained and. Again, the only reason that you'd put these characters together is one, you, well, you just introduced Typhoid, but you did this mostly to set up the, the annual. And it's just because the same writer, Joe Kelly, is, is working on both the, the Deadpool and the, the Daredevil titles. So cool. Sure. Whatever. Cross them over. So there's like a, I don't know, a fight, a team up, whatever. It, it goes pretty much how you'd expect. It doesn't have a whole lot carrying on from it except weasel weasel who is uh deadpool's weapons guy and foggy hang out they're like we don't want any part of this crossover let's just hang out and get drunk <laughs> and so weasel gets foggy blackout drunk and then talks him into a night of gambling and wins it takes his dog and then uh deadpool gives it to blind owl and has it attack her for fun yeah. But, uh, Typhoid sticks around in Deadpool for another issue. He's like having this whole, I'm trying to be a hero thing. And so she helps, quote unquote, helps him to be a hero by going on a killing spree that he can stop. But she like tries to set him up for all of these hero tropes and he doesn't do them the way a hero would. And so she's like, look, you're not a hero. You're not doing the thing right. Whatever this ongoing sort of anti-hero rehabilitation for Deadpool. Oh, in the middle of this also Weasel. So while Deadpool is like in some serious trouble and his teleporter is off or something, Weasel follows his teleporter signature to his house in San Francisco where he and Al live. Deadpool's out on a mission. So Weasel and Blind Al kind of befriend each other. Weasel, nobody's supposed to know about this place or about Blind Al being his prisoner. So it's like a very, it, this is definitely setting up a conflict that's going to come back in the future. Uh, mm-hmm. But Weasel and Al kind of become friends or at least vent about Deadpool to each other. And then the last <laughs> issue of this arc, um, Deadpool and Al go to an aquarium together for a road trip. It's kind of like a SeaWorld type place. And the Great Lakes Avengers are there too. And so they see this poor woman being abused and tortured. <laughs> and so they go to try and help her. And, but they're the Great Lakes Avengers. And so everything is just Not hilariously incompetent. Well. Oh, they, they called <laughs> themselves, they're calling themselves the lightning rods right now because Thunderbolts just started. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway, so Doorman, one of the members of the Great Lake, uh, of the, the, the lightning rods tries to teleport Blind Owl to safety right at the same time as Deadpool teleports the two of them out of there. And the double double teleport um, knocks off some sort of strange space-time thing, and now they're lost in time. And that's that's where the arc ends, so we'll see where it picks up next time. All right. (laughs) So that's it for comics for me this week. That's fun, man. Yeah. We have have precious little time, but... um... 
good talking to you as always those are uh those were those were fun yeah uh what do you have coming up for next week next week i've got oh this is fun next week i've got uh so they did a, a theme month you know how marvel would do those theme months sometimes where it's like every title no dialogue or something oh, like that. yeah 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 so this is a theme month where every title has a flashback issue it's issue negative one and it kind of shows like what happened to this characters or b- before the official run of the title started oh interesting yeah so yeah there's uh 10 x-men uh related monthly books going on right now so there's 10 flashback issues and that'll probably end up being my whole reading for this week what about you yeah i've got uh morbius which i think is just a standalone i don't think there's a number but i believe it came out when they announced the morbius movie sure so we'll see if it's any good yeah uh the last time this happened they collected all 10 issues into one and it was just is very much a side story sure uh they've they've tried <laughs> uh he's just not a compelling character yeah it's interesting he's a he's you know he's a doctor he's a scientist and so he's like it's usually the fight between the scientist and the vampire right so i've got morbius i've got miles morales spider-man i have this one called tarot i don't know what it's about but it's got some okay avengers on it we'll see okay. what happens the only the only thing i think of from tarot is uh the the hellion uh character um mm. from emma frost's original students one of them was named tarot oh interesting yeah um, but she's been dead for a long time so <laughs> we're gonna have to so by the time i get to empire we're gonna have to be at volume 14 of dawn of x okay um, and we've currently read six so yeah we're gonna have to be reading there's there's gonna be some some more giant size some more some more dons not i'll okay. text you when that happens but, yeah um, again i'll drop everything i know <laughs> uh so yeah empire's coming up but i still have like there's still like 20 books before then so sure. in the next like two months we're gonna be doing a lot of dawn sounds good man all right well, that's that. All right. uh, have a good shot. I'm going to check in with you tomorrow, see how you're feeling. Thanks, man. And um, have a great time. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, looking forward to it. And right after I get my shot, I'm going to start looking at plane tickets to fly out to California. So very awesome. excited to see you in person. Do some Hell of these yeah. shows in, in person sometime soon. Hell yeah. All right, man. Uh, cool. Then uh, outro music will go here. Okay. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Have fun. Yeah.